0: Uh, make note of that and come join us if you have questions about that. Also, want to reiterate that we're so grateful that Bishop Wilson is with us. I think he's flying back uh, tomorrow, and uh, so just a pleasure. He'll be here today to talk, to answer questions uh, uh, about his ministry before he goes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subject all things to himself. Our lessons today focus on our Heavenly citizenship, our status as citizens of the kingdom of God, and how that status relates to temporal political arrangements in the world. The epistle today is addressed to Christians in the city of Philippi. Philippi was a Roman military colony. It was a place where retired Roman soldiers went, and thus the city would have been filled with an air of Roman patriotism. The other backdrop for our epistle is to know that the various Caesars had acquired for themselves the title Savior of the World for the relative peace that the Roman Empire and the Caesars had brought to to the world, the ability to travel safely and things like that. Against this backdrop, St. Paul is reminding the Philippian Christians that they are citizens of another kingdom and that they are waiting for the true savior of the world to come and finish his work in them. While St. Paul confronted Roman patriotism, Jesus was in the gospel interacting with an audience that was more hostile to Caesar. The test question that was put to Jesus was meant to create a dilemma. Is it lawful to pay taxes? If Jesus said that it was lawful to pay taxes, he would alienate a constituency in Israel that resented Roman rule and thought it was not according to the Torah to have to pay taxes. If Jesus said that it was not lawful to pay taxes, he would run the risk of being arrested as a political agitator. The Roman government was not very happy with people going around saying, don't pay your taxes. And they dealt with that very strongly. His answer was to put the two kingdoms in their proper perspective. The coin, the the tax coin, bore Caesar's image and likeness And therefore it was okay to give this to Caesar to support the various things that Caesar did. But, in the backdrop for that point is that our whole beings, based on Genesis 1, bear the image and likeness of God. The coin, Caesar's image, our whole being, God's image and likeness. And therefore it is right to give ourselves, our souls, and our bodies to God in worship. Caesar gets his temporal things, God gets our whole being. Thus, the early Christians paid taxes, and unfortunately that's an ongoing Christian duty. We're supposed to pay taxes to to Caesar, but when Caesar demanded worship of the early Christians, they refused. That's not what Caesar is due, and they chose martyrdom instead. We are familiar as Americans with both of these passions. We are, we tend to be a patriotic people, but we also know what it means to have an animosity to paying taxes to an oppressive government. But the point with regard to the kingdom of God is the same in either case. Either uh, a focus on our Support of our attachment to the current regime or a focus on our animosity towards the current regime serves to shift our focus away from our primary allegiance, citizenship in the kingdom of God. And we are not, according to the Bible, dual citizens in the city of God and the city of man. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we are, as Peter tells us, strangers and pilgrims or resident aliens in this world. It is our duty as resident aliens to be, to be good resident aliens. As St. Peter says, submit yourself to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. We are ambassadors for the kingdom of God. We are called to represent our homeland well as a matter of foreign policy. But this is not our homeland. And that is the point that St. Paul is making very firmly. Historically, Christians have been comfortable in America. And it is hard to see oneself as a stranger and a pilgrim, as a resident alien in a land where one feels very much at home. But this is changing as the moral order we've inherited in the Western world, that traditional moral order in which Christians felt comfortable operating, is giving way to a new and constantly changing moral order that is more hostile to our native outlook. (laughs) Many Christians feel a sense of angst or even anger as they try to figure out how to live in this new and less friendly world we can discern our future vocation by facing a sober a sobering fact about our past the decline of christian influence in the world the decline of this outlook is a function of how comfortable we have been in the world we have been better citizens of the world than we have been citizens of the kingdom of God. Rather than confronting the world with the presence of Christ, the church has come to look more and more like the world. Thus, the proper response to our new situation is not angst or anger or a desire to return to some golden age. The proper response is repentance and a renewed commitment to live in this world as citizens of the kingdom of God. Our current situation presents an opportunity to more fully embrace that biblical Perspective that we are strangers and pilgrims, resident aliens in this world. The church does not fare well, has not fared well historically when it enjoyed political power. As a persecuted minority, Christians must turn to God in prayer, must depend upon him for their sustenance, for their deliverance. When a church gains political power, It tends to shift its focus towards temporal goals. It comes to focus more on politics than on the worship and service of God. This is precisely what St. Paul is warning against in our epistle today. He is saying, We are not citizens of an earthly kingdom waiting for Caesar to save us and give us benefits. We are citizens of a heavenly kingdom, waiting for our Savior to come and finish his work in us. When we take our eyes off of Christ and his kingdom and its goals, we replace eternal goals with temporal ones. Thus, for the last few generations, cutting edge Christianity has been eager to show how faith can have a Practical positive impact on the world, the result has been that faith has had almost no impact at all. Or it has been seen as a failure because faith has not been effective in attaining some desired temporal end. As C.S. Lewis said in Mere Christianity, aim at heaven and you get earth thrown in. Aim at earth, and you get neither. The failed secularized and politicized Christianity is preoccupied with problems out there. Thus, there is a constant push for some new system, or some new law, or some new candidate that will bring about the desired change. However, our faith teaches us the problem is not out there. The problem is in here. As Jesus said, out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, theft, false witness, blasphemies. Unless we deal with our inner problem of sin first and consistently. We possess nothing as Christians but we have nothing to offer to the world. This does not mean to put our head in the sand with regard to the problems we see in the world around us. You have a vocation to be an ambassador for Christ in your work, in your family, in your politics, and in your leisure. However, you can only represent Christ in these places if you know him and live in a relationship with him. You can only be a good ambassador for the kingdom of heaven if the goals of being a faithful witness for Christ and the larger goals of the kingdom of God transcend your temporal goals. If your advocacy for some temporal cause is characterized by anger and hatred, if you will compromise your faith, if faith will give way in order to help you accomplish some temporal goal, your faith will have no impact at all, or it will have a negative impact. People say, look at them. They don't really believe what they say they believe. God is changing the world from the bottom up and from the inside out. The change he is bringing to the world began with the birth of one man in Bethlehem and spread outward from there. That change has come to each of us through the gift of the Spirit. And Christ lives in each of us through the Holy Spirit. And Christ is working in each of us to recreate us in the image of Christ. When that work is completed, we will be like Christ. We will live as God's new people in new and glorious bodies in God's new creation. This is the answer to the problems of this fallen world. This is what we represent. This is what we bear witness to. And whatever it is we do in time must reflect this overarching and transcendent hope. As St. Paul reminds us, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will change our lowly bodies to be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Laying it up for yourselves, treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal.